In your five-star hotel, you wake up, the hotel room is a mess, you go down for breakfast, and when you come back, it's all cleaned. And those are the things that you can learn from aspects of your own life and, and, and kind of tr translate that into um, how to better do the, your job in, in, in domestic service. Welcome to the Easemakers podcast, presented by Nines, for people who are passionate about the art of private service. Every estate manager has a story, and this is where you get to hear them. On this show, you'll learn from the best in the business, get tips and inspiration to fuel your career, and connect with people who get it. Subscribe now and join the conversation at easemakers.com. I'm Kristen Twyford, and on the show today, Mohamed Elzamore and I are talking with John Christensen, a 25-year private service veteran who served as an estate manager and then a director of residences, overseeing more than 10 properties at once. In this conversation, we're talking about his service mindset and how he balances his commitment to going above and beyond while still having a personal life. John grew up in hotels and restaurants. He worked his way up in the family business in Denmark, starting as a dishwasher at his dad's restaurant when he was 14. He planned to eventually take over his parents' business, but when he left Denmark to get experience in hotel management, he fell into private service instead. When you are the general manager of a hotel, I worked for a five-star hotel um, in Mallorca in Spain. and. Uh, when you are the general manager, you typically take care of the VIP guests that come to your hotel. And we had a beautiful presidential suite and had a wonderful European comp uh, wealthy couple that would come and stay there. And they came to me one day and said, you know, we really love the hotel and we have a few homes of our own. Would you be interested in, uh, do you think you could implement the same service standards and uh, in our private homes, then we would like to hire you. And that's how I transitioned into the uh, the private service. So they, uh, I started out by working in Venice, Italy for them in a 16th century palace. But uh, eventually it took me to uh, Jupiter, Florida. You know, I became an estate manager uh, in Florida and it was my first really interaction with the U.S. and I've been here ever since. Well, we're so excited to have you on the show. Thank you for joining us. We want to kick it off with a lightning round to help people get to know you. And so for the first question, I know you've seen a lot in your 25 years in private service. What's one amazing service experience that you've had that really blew you away? Um, I don't know if it blew me away, but it may have blown my cl uh, my my clients away. Sure. So, you know, you, you have different options of, of going a little bit above and beyond in your in your daily role and um, you know I've had a few chances of doing that I just started a new job as director of property for a, a famous uh, Hollywood personality and uh, just been there a couple of months and it was going really well um, they were ready to take off on their Christmas vacation spending Christmas on a yacht in the Caribbean and um, so it was December 23rd and the client called me up when they got to the yacht said we have a huge issue. We have forgotten our bag of medication. You know, so what do you do on December 23rd? You have to get a bag of medication down to St. Bart's in the Caribbean. You check UPS, FedEx, anyone who can bring it down. Everything was closed. Not, nothing could be done overnight. And you call the local pharmacies to see if they can, you know, fill the uh, prescriptions down there. But, you know, talking with the family doctor, he said, no, I don't trust the, uh, you know, don't trust the medications down there. Uh, this is, you know, we need to get 
what the family has. And uh, so with all options exhausted, um, I decided just to spend my Christmas uh, vacation jumping on a plane and hand delivering the, uh, uh, the medications. And it was not easy to get down there on December 23rd with short notice. So it was um, a long flight from Los Angeles to Chicago, Chicago to Atlanta, Atlanta to St. Martin, and then it involved uh, private boats and private helicopters. So it, it became, you know, it became quite the ordeal, but the family had their medication. And, uh, and it was a good start uh, for our relationship because it shows that, you know, as an employee, you're, you're willing to go above and beyond, you know, to, to perform your job. And, and, and that's one of the things, one of my big pet peeves in this industry, because I do a lot of hiring office state managers for various clients and I, I'm, I'm looking for someone who has a service hard service mentality someone who is uh, it's not just a job but you know they know what service is all about and they want to provide it amazing and i think that's a great teaser for the rest of our conversation but we'll get in a couple more lightning round questions before we get there mo you want to go next yeah john what kind of project gets you excited i've always been into boating so uh, when the people i worked for decided to get into yachting uh, and put me in charge of overseeing yacht construction that's probably one of the favorite my favorite things to do um, i have been involved in builds of some amazing mega yachts and you know, the people we work for don't have time to go to all these interior design architect, uh, naval architect, all these meetings with the shipyards. So, you know, fly back and forth typically to Europe to meet with the shipyards and and just follow that entire process of, you know, the first beams of steel being welded together to this two, $300 million yacht rolling out for sea trials and delivery to the clients. And it's just, it's an amazing process. It's just, uh, it's such an involved, it's so many moving parts, so many people involved in, in producing a yacht and, and being the go-between between the um, employer and, and the shipyard is just something that I really have enjoyed. And other sorts of construction as well. Um, renovation of historic properties. I think it's really cool to go in with a, a nice big budget and being able to take um, a historic property and bring it back to its old glory. Uh, that has been some, some fun jobs as well. I love what I do. It's a super interesting job and no two days are the same, but uh, that's just two examples of things that gets me excited. Yeah, those are great ones. What's on your private service bucket list? Is there anything that you haven't done yet in your career that you would love to do or something that you would love to do again? Uh, that's a good question. Bucket list. You know, we have days where we're doing stuff that's not so much fun and other times we do we do things that it was like, this is this is why I'm here. I think what has been the most fun is doing private concerts uh, for clients, um, you know, with, when you have some mega pop star or uh, entertainer um, brought in for uh, the family's anniversary or birthday or something, you do, you, you put together a, an amazing party with a multi-million dollar budget where everything just has to be perfect it's just it's 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 just exciting to to create your own little mini concert with chefs flown in from you know i've i've, I've done a private concert with andrea bocelli where um where the whole night was a tuscan night uh we did it in the u.s but it was a private concert with him and i also flew in chefs from tuscany and 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 all most of the the food stuff came in on on a, on a jet so just 
trying to make this super authentic experience um, that it was a night in Tuscany. Something like that. Bucket list items, I've done it, but I would love to do stuff like that again because it's, it's, in, it's a lot of fun. That's fantastic. I mean, just those three stories alone, I'm already blown away. <laughs> John, who's your favorite fictional private service professional? So that means I will have to watch TV, right? Um, Correct. If you have the time <laughs> to watch any television. <laughs> uh, well, I'm not really sure if I have one. I, um, I did watch Downton Abbey a few episodes, and um, the butler there is kind of is, is a kind of a cool guy. Um, you know, it, it's it's such a different world uh, that they portray in that from, you know, the world that we live in here. Um, you know, I've worked in formal households, but it's not it's not nearly as. But he seems like a uh, he seems like a pretty cool guy. Well, John, we want to get into the heart of our conversation, which really builds on what you were talking about with that service mindset and going above and beyond and how you have a mindset like that while still maintaining some kind of balance in your life, which I think is something that a lot of private service professionals struggle to do. So I want to start out by talking about where you first started. How do you think growing up in hotels and restaurants really shaped how you think about service? Can you think of some moments during your upbringing where you felt like you learned something about service that really helped shape who you are now as a service provider? Absolutely. Um, I mean, the first and most important lesson is that it's not a nine-to-five job. Uh, you work when the clients or the customers are there. And if the customers do not show up, um, you don't have a job. And the same thing with the private service. If you're not providing the service to them, you're probably out of a job uh, fairly quick. So I, I, I think that's one of the things that people need to uh, give some thought before they s get started in this business. It, is, it can be a nine-to-five job, but most of the time it's not. Um, um, yes, I have people on schedules that are more, I mean, it's, it's a fixed schedule every week. Um, you know, typically housekeepers or dog walkers or landscapers, things like that is, 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 is typically on a, on, on a more nine to five or, I mean, a, a set schedule. But when you start talking about being an estate manager or an executive assistant, then your timing is completely based on what the principals need. Um, and I think that's a wake up call for a lot of people that they, they did not realize that, you know, if, if they are needed for an event that goes till 11 o'clock at night, um, and, and next morning, uh, they have to start at seven. It's just part of the job. Um, so if you can't handle that, you know, it's, it's, it's can be a tough business to be in. Um, you know, in, in the hotel and restaurant business, you know, we would close at two o'clock in the morning, we will close the bar, but we would also have breakfast guests coming down uh, starting at 6 a.m. Uh, so typically you wouldn't have both those shifts, but you know, if, if a waiter called in sick, um, guess who got the call at 5 a.m.? Hey, John, can you take the breakfast shift even though you were not home until 3 a.m.? Uh, and that's just, you know, that's just the mentality that we have a business, we have a job to do, and um, and we are the people who make it work, and, 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 and so you show up. And it's not no different than when you are in private service. Um, you just have to fill in if there's someone who's out for the day for whatever reason. At least if you want to be successful, you have to have the mentality that we fill in and, and, and make the job happen anyway. How do you think about service today and 
you know, what are some key principles that you think have really gotten you through your private service career? What are some rules that you live by as a private service professional? Well, first of all, the job is uh, when the job, I mean, I, I don't work by set hours. Um, so when I work for a family, I try to adjust my hour, uh, hours with their schedule so that, you know, I have the most amount of exposure to them. And so if they are people who like to uh, entertain a lot, um, I switch my role to be more of a late afternoon to evening kind of job because um, they would typically want me to oversee whatever entertaining they do. I have a client currently who loves to text me at 11 o'clock at night. You know, that's when his day is over. He runs some very successful businesses and is super busy all day long, but he kind of winds down after 10, 11 o'clock and and that's where he wants to talk um, what's going on in, in, in his world of the eight to 10 property he owns and want to talk about staffing and, and various projects. And I'm perfectly fine with that. Uh, it's just, I will just adjust my time and say, this is, you know, that's, that's where I'm available. We will typically text back and forth for half an hour, sometimes an hour, or have a phone call at, 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 at that time. And if that's what works for the client, uh, well, he pays my, my bills, he pays my salary, and he pays very handsomely. So that's what he gets. Um, I'm not going to tell him, you know, sorry, boss, um, please call me between my business hours of... Uh, of eight and four and we can just so so i think that's important to uh kind of adjust your role to what the people you work for how what seems to be uh working best for them if you can of course um i mean uh, people of course with family obligations and where it's not practical uh but if possible i kind of like to just uh let the principal set the uh set the schedule and then I will work out my own uh, work off time uh, balance um, on that. So if he wants to text at 11, well, I just, that's fine. But I, then I mean, I can sleep in and I don't show up at work until 11 o'clock and uh, 11 a.m. So you just, you just adjust that way. So it works for, for everyone. How do you think your approach has helped you stand out in private service? Being that obviously you think everyone should be this way and should view their job this way, but a lot don't. Well, I've found it very um, rewarding that you have a yes-can-do attitude. Um, I don't have no in my vocabulary. It would probably be different if I had taken some crappy job at a crappy salary when I, and I felt that this was just not worth my time. But if you go for quality jobs, work for some quality people who, who appreciate the service and they're paying you accordingly, um, they should also get, if they're paying you for five-star service, they're paying you a five-star salary, they should have five-star service. Um, and if you're in a position where you feel they're not paying you enough and it's not worth your time, well, hit up some of the recruiters and find something that's worth your time if you have the, the skills uh, uh, for it, uh, because life is too short to, uh, to do stuff that uh, you know, doesn't make you happy. So this is also something that I, you know, I demand from the people that I hire. Um, in, in fact, when I do a job interview, uh, one of my questions to an applicant is, uh, give me an example of what you've done to go above and beyond in your job. And it's actually amazing how many people do not have an example of what they, you know, of doing that. But if there's a good story is showing that someone really is, uh, I mean, you can, you can quickly tell if, if, if there's that service uh, mentality. 
if it's someone who is going to be looking at the the clock and see, oh, it's three minutes to four, just like when we were back in school, uh, can't wait for um, you know f for recess to come in so we can you know we can go home. That's a very hard person to place in 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 private service. You can't really do that. You don't have fixed hours. You have. I'm I'm all for uh, for for that balance between time off and and time at work, but. If you are at work and your job is not done for the day and not finishing the job is going to have a negative impact on the principals, then you don't leave, but you just make note of, you know, you worked an extra three hours that day. You're just going to take three hours off another time. So, you know, it all balances out. Speaking of looking for that trait in those that work for you, are there any exact or specific questions that you ask to find that information? It's more like a natural uh, flow of conversation when you talk and you get a good understanding of, uh, you can squeeze in a couple of, 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 of questions and give you an idea of, uh, of where they're at. And also, um, in, you know, talking about their typical work day in, uh, in, in prior jobs, uh, you, you get an understanding of how they look at this position, if it's something that um, come in, work your eight hours and go home, or if it's something where they, you, you, can, you can tell when you interview a person if they really like what they do and, and they put some pride in, in making sure that the people who pay your salary um, actually get some value out of, uh, of, of what you do for them. So I think it's something that you, after a few interviews, you uh, with different people, you you learn to read people and see where where they at. I want to get back to what you said about balance. I think so many private service professionals have that service heart, and yet they feel like they can lose their balance. Where when you are going above and beyond, it can be really hard to take that time to recharge. It's easy to get into a situation where you feel like you you're being taken advantage of, um, and it is hard to do things like you know, giving up your own family Christmas and, you know, jetting off to the islands to deliver a bag of medication, you know? So how do you work through that? And how do you find balance in your own life? Well, I've often used my job as a, as a, as a way to have some amazing experiences that um, was fully paid for. Um, so, you know, as a director of properties, you typically have properties, multiple states, multiple countries. Um, I've managed private islands and things like that and, and, and yachts. So once you have a good relationship with um, the people you work for, they typically don't mind. In my, in my case, I will bring my girlfriend along. If I'm going to oversee, if I'm going to visit one of our Manhattan properties, um, I will typically make my meetings uh, uh, schedule my meetings Thursday and Fridays with vendors and staff and then spend the weekend um, in New York with my girlfriend or spend the weekend in the Virgin Islands with my girlfriend because it's all my, you know, my travel hotel and everything is already paid. So it's just a, an extra plane ticket. I'm at work and she can enjoy some, some time at some interesting locations. And, you know, after hours, we can go out for dinner. And so you know, I've done that so many times turned a business trip into a, you know a little fun getaway uh, with the family. But one of the things that I and, and, and I know why you bring this up with the with the with the balance uh, because it's one of the things that I have landing on my desk a lot from the estate managers that I have hired and working for me that they often complain that you know they are always working. What I have found is that 
a lot of times it's because they've had two or three days, really long days, and then they're exhausted and then everything is, you know, everything's hard and they don't want to do it anymore. But then you ask them to, why don't you write down over a four week period, write down the times you've you you work and i've also asked security at, at multiple times said can you please pull arrival and departure for for this uh, for this person just give me an idea of how much time they're spending at their job and you will see those long 14 hour days where we have events and 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 of course you're tired after a long day like that but then you see other days where there's a no show or two hours or three hours and when you add it all up it basically comes down in most cases down to a 40 to 45-hour work week. And, and then when you sit down and talk about that, and, and I think a lot of times you forget that you have that flexibility to, to take some time off uh, because in most cases with multiple properties, uh, the, the clients are not there all the time. You know, they will come for a weekend or a week to this property and then they won't be back for a month. And you have that week when they're there, yes, you work your butt off because you know you you, you want to be there but when they're gone you know you have your typical meetings where you with, with contractors and vendors but you don't have the stress of the family being there and and you can run a completely different schedule so my experience is that you know at the end of the day it, it kind of all balances itself out but if you are in a position you're working and you feel that you're working too much unless you are working for someone who are complete idiots. <laughs> um, no one wants to have staff that's overworked. So if you are in a situation where you feel that you are being taken advantage of and you work too much, try, try to take a period of maybe a month or two and write down every day what it is that you do. And then when you have that data from that period ready, and if, it's, if it shows that you're working 80-hour weeks or 70-hour weeks and you have no time off, well, go to the principal and say, this is, you know, this is where we at this. As you can see, this is not something that I can do uh, in the long run. This is, you know, no one can, can work so much. What can we do to, to fix this situation? And if you're met with, you know, deal with it, uh, maybe it's time to find another job because, but that's not my experience. Typically we work for smart people who, are where they are with their wealth because you know they're, they're smart people and they i have never worked for anyone who did not care about their staff uh so if you're presented with that kind of evidence from um your estate manager or house manager i would be very surprised if you don't if if, if that's not a good way of starting a discussion of how to how to fix that so thinking about moments where you've seen from your staff that sense of being overwhelmed and then you guys talked through it. What has their reaction been? Have they been able to sort of adjust their mindset and think about when they saw it all on paper? Were they was that a wake up call? How did they react? You know, in my role, I have to provide provide an environment for the for the owners, uh, the pr- the principals, and the staff where it really flows well, and it's you know everyone's getting along, and we have a full service coverage. And my job is to look at the hours needed to provide for the principals and make sure we have adequate staff for that. So if you have, if you're in a position with a director of properties who does not care about your long hours, then you have someone who's not doing, they're not doing that job. Then I'm the advocate for, for both. I mean, both the, the employees and the employer, because I, I have two roles that I have to, I have to make sure that they're not paying for 
staff that's not doing anything or you know i have to put together a budget where it makes sense but i also have to make sure that i have a happy workforce who wants to come and do a good job and 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 are not overworked so my job is to balance that and i will definitely go to the principals and say look with all the entertaining you're doing with the three kids and the five dogs and the two parrots uh you know two housekeepers is just not going to cut it i mean they have they're now working 12 hours six days a week and uh and so here's my recommendation if we do this in this schedule we'll add another person then very few examples where they will not go for that and say because you know they're most of the people work for are very reasonable people and they can they are presented with actual numbers see that's what that's what i'm asking for from anyone who said you know we work too much we're doing this and that it's it's a human it's human nature just to to complain when we're tired and this but i just want to see some actual documentation so put down your hours give me an idea of what it is not just the last three days but the last month or the last two months and if there's a trend that you are working 70 hours or 80 hours a week absolutely let's 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 fix it uh but just because you're tired because it was a long day yesterday and you want to complain uh that's not that's not enough i you know i i need documentation and with that documentation i'll go to the owners with a plan to to hire additional staff so burnout obviously can happen when you work too many hours but let's say you are working a 40 45 hour week what about how you're spending those 45 hours how do you typically break down obviously you mentioned every day is different you're being thrown a curveball every household obviously has different things going on but generally speaking how does that 40, 45 hour work week break down? How many hours are you spending putting out fires? How many hours are you spending preparing for the next month? Um, and does that approach of how you use your time at work actually dictate whether you feel stressed or whether you feel like you're on top of your game? There are different phases in, uh, you know, when you're new, when you just started a new job, you have to learn everything about the um, the property and the principles and, uh, and you may have stepped into a role where they didn't have much documentation of any kind so you have to do all that that's when your nine software comes into play you have to you know you have to do uh, estate manuals and and that can be stressful because you know you want to come in and show you want to come in and do a a a good job from the beginning uh but it can be difficult because you have uh, you just don't have the right tools um, but once you have built up, once you have your estate manuals and your procedures and all that in place, either you do it yourself or there are some services out there that will do it for you. I think you go more into an autopilot mode where you know you have your daily things that needs to be done, and it's just it's not the same week to week, but you have a lot of elements that are that kind of are the same. Um, you have your staff meeting on a Monday. You have your meetings with the chef on uh, this day. You you have uh, a day typically where you meet with vendors for new projects. But your calendar is is is, is more the same. Of course, you're throwing curveballs uh, all the time, but it's they're easier to handle when you know everything else is kind of um, running on autopilot. John, this has been an amazing conversation and so many good words of wisdom here. Any final pieces of advice for other private service professionals? Anything else that you would want to share? Yeah, I think sometimes you just have to sit down and think about why is it you are in this role? There's a chance of making some a really nice salary working in this uh, line of work. I mean, you can, as the director of properties, you can go anywhere from two hundred to $400,000, I mean, a typical range for that kind of job without any 
you maybe have a bachelor's degree in whatever they just want to see that you have some kind of degree but it's, it's really no degree in 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 private service um so you have a chance of making a very nice salary estate managers you know 100 to 250 depending on the area so with that in mind, sit down and, and ask yourself, uh, why is it that I'm hired? What is it that I'm doing? And the reason that you are hired is because the people who hired you, they're trying to simplify their own lives. They're trying to pass all the boring stuff and all the, you know, all the background stuff that they don't really want to deal with over to you. They're paying you to do all that. And um, put yourself in their shoes and, and, and kind of see what it is. I think that helps a lot of times um, in, in, in many aspects. I said, what would you do if you were able to hire, to, you know, to have a payroll of a million dollars a year for, for, for private service uh, professionals? What would you have them do and, uh, and what would your expectations be? And I think when you, when you do that, you kind of, um, it makes it a little easier to get in that mindset of, um, of what you should be doing and, uh, and, and why you should do it. Thank you to John Christensen for joining us on the show today. To connect with other private service professionals on a regular basis, join the conversation in the EaseMakers community. And be sure to check out our new Modern Household Management Workshop at ninesliving.com slash workshop. The EaseMakers podcast and the EaseMakers community are presented by Nines, the first dynamic household management platform built for discerning households and the private service professionals who support them. Visit ninesliving.com to see how nines can help you bring your house manual to life so you can live with ease. I'm Mohamed Elzamore. And I'm Kristen Twyford. And we'll see you next time on the Ease Makers Podcast. Make you